0: Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Kristen Newton, who goes by KB. KB was a former DJ for the Indiana Pacers, which is so cool, but she recently started a new venture to help millennial women find, cultivate, and keep amazing friendships. Now, you guys hear me say this at the beginning of every episode because I think it's a million percent true. Life is so much better when we walk through it together as girlfriends, but... I will be the first to say that maintaining healthy friendships is not always easy. And that's why I wanted to have KB on the show today. She's here to talk about how we can deepen our friendships and heal some of our unhealthy ones by having honest, authentic, hard conversations. She's gonna give us some super practical tips and steps to help us find and form friendships that go way beyond the surface. True friendships, deep friendships. I love that. But before we dive in, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about, and it totally lines up with what we're talking about with KB today. Y'all, if you are a small group leader, or really a leader of any kind of group of women, whether it's at church, in your sorority, or at work, I have a resource in my shop that you are not going to want to miss out on. It's my Friendship Small Group Guide, a six-week guide designed to help your group get to know each other, help you become each other's people, So it's not a Bible study, but it's my very favorite way to begin one because it helps create that foundation of trust and friendship that will take your small group, your team, your friendships, and even your studying of God's Word to a deeper, more meaningful level. To learn more about the small group guide and to download the first chapter of the guide for free, go to stephaniemaywilson.com slash firstchapterfree. That link will be in our show notes as well. I can't wait to tell you more about it. So with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with KB. All right, friends. I am sitting here with my brand new friend, KB. KB, I am so glad we got to meet. I have, I feel like I have to say how we got connected because we're talking about friendship today and friendship can happen in all kinds of different ways. We got set up sort of on a, on a blind date that we're on um, here (laughs) by my mother-in-law, Kathy Wilson, who we love here on the show.
1: Yes. Yes. It was very uh, random. It was literally, I was meeting her for the first time through a mutual friend. So it wasn't really that I was meeting her. I was meeting her friend who then introduced me to her. And as she was inquiring about what I did, she was like, you need to meet my daughter-in-law. And I was like, okay. Cool. She's like, no, we're going to make this happen right now. Let's take a photo. Let's send it to her. Like she was like, this is happening. So I think a blind date is a great description.
0: Yes. And I feel like it's gone so well, Kathy. Well done. Um, So lesson one, say yes to blind friend dates, because while sometimes they're kind of awful, a lot of times they can be really great. So anyway, Mm -hmm. here we are. Okay. So KB for girls who don't know you yet, tell us who you are, what you do. And I'm really excited to hear your fun fact.
1: Okay. So, um, yes, my name is KB, and I uh, most recently have dived into this world of relationship, friend- well, friendships, really. And I've created a platform called Heart Convos, where I teach millennial women how to navigate unhealthy friendships. And most commonly, after I say that, usually people are like, well, how do you do that? And I tell them, I take them back to, I teach them how to have heart combos. So, heart is an acronym for honest, elephant-sized, authentic, real, transparent conversations and so what I've found um, in my own life personally and in the lives of a lot of other women is that they are having conversations just not the right ones when they're working through things with one another and so um, I've tried to make it super practical and tangible for women to think through how they can navigate these unhealthy parts of friendship and I do that by teaching them how to have heart combos.
0: Okay I love that and I have all kinds of questions about that acronym <laughs> I want you to walk us through it but before I start to pick your brain, what's your fun fact?
1: Fun fact. Um, so for the last five years, I have been the official DJ for the Indiana Pacers.
0: Okay. That is really cool. Can you like tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that?
1: Okay. So, I mean, you know what a DJ is. They're the people you, you usually don't run into them in, uh, on an everyday basis, usually at wedding receptions, right? But yeah, about five years ago, I went in for an audition for the Indiana Pacers off of an email request from a friend. And I literally went in thinking like, I'm not going to get this job. I was the only woman that uh, auditioned that day. I was on the middle of the floor with uh, two other guys. They did their auditions. I went to do my audition. I killed it, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, But they asked you to do like a five to seven minute mix. Um, And so I did my mix. And the one thing that they said, or the two things that they said was, wow, she has great energy and she played clean music. (laughs) And I was like, I would think that would be a given at an audition, but okay. And um, yeah, the guy literally came up to me at the end of it, asked me if I was doing a club in the city. I said, no. He said, do you have a residency anywhere? I said, no. And he said, we would love to offer you the position. And so I did that for five seasons straight for the men. And also I did the women's seasons during the summer. So 10 seasons of basketball. We went to the playoffs every single season. I think with the exception of one with the women. And uh, yeah, that's what I did. That is awesome. That
0: is so cool, <laughs> so d- had you been djing for a long time? D- I mean, you must like you must this was not you've been well, doing this for a while.
1: Let me tell you, random is kind of the theme of my life story. it 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 really feels that way. I went to college to be an architect. I graduated with a degree in interdisciplinary studies, and then I went to be a missionary on staff (laughs) with an organization in like this small town, like this mom-pop ministry where we worked with inner city kids. And one of the things that they did to draw kids out to the ministry was they would host these parties at the beginning of the school year. And at the time, my now husband was the guy who did that. But we were not dating or, you know, interested in one another at the time. So he was there, I think, a year while I was there. And then he moved to a different position in Young Life um, in Philadelphia. And so I was left with the responsibility of hosting these parties. So I had to learn how to DJ. And so that's how I got into the DJing. It was really just to use as a medium to reach kids in the inner city. And that ended up landing me um, a record deal. Uh, I was actually part of a band for five years. We toured internationally, we cut records. And then once that that ended, that's when I did the audition for the Pacers. So for the last 10 years, I've been in the entertainment industry. That is
0: nuts. That is amazing. (laughs) Um, Did you have... I, I mean I could ask eighty million more questions about this, but I really need to know, like, do you have a DJ name? It's DJ
1: K B. Yeah. It's, it's so so it's not it's I not mean, like secret code, anything. My government name is Kristen, but um and my maiden name was Bet. And so in college K B was kind of like a nickname that yeah. people had for me. And then when I became a DJ, it was just DJ K B. So
0: that's really awesome. I'm uh, my my overwhelming thought right now is I want a DJ name. Um, <laughs> so. So if, if you end up just like, if one comes to mind, let me know. Cause I would, I would love yeah, to hear it. Uh, sure. I also feel like I need to say, cause I know that our sweet Kathy Wilson, Kathy, my mother in law has been on the show before and she was amazing. And we all are just such a huge fan of hers. So I feel like she's probably laughing right now. And Kathy, if you have a DJ name for me, I'd love to hear it. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that when Kathy, I was talking to her yesterday about chatting with you today and she was like, yeah, she was the DJ for the Pacers, you know, the The professional basketball team here in Indiana. Like, Gabby, <laughs> I know who the Pacers are. So anyway, that's... <laughs> I would just like to to make it known that
1: I know who the Pacers are. There we, anyway. go, there we go. Oh gosh. anyone who's listening who might not know, yes, that is a professional uh, NBA team for Indiana. Yes, yes. Oh
0: man, <laughs> goodness. Well, okay. So you talked about heart combos, and I would love to hear more about this. Like why? Um, and you and I started talking about this even before we hit record. I want to hear just your heart for friendship. Like why? Why this is important to you, and then actually, before I forget, because I, I want to make sure we go through this, I would love for you to just talk with us a little bit more through each letter of the acronym, especially sure. elephant-sized. I'm I'm like really yeah. excited to hear elephant-sized like. Yeah. So so yeah, tell us <laughs> oh. why why did you why is this important to you?
1: Yes, for sure. So I used to be a trash friend. Like it, when I talk about unhealthy. Friendships and navigating those dynamics, it's because those dynamics were what defined my friendships for a very long time. Um, A lot of my personality um, is very strong, and I'm a type A personality. I'm an ENTJ on the Edison Myers Briggs. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Like, I have all these things going on, right? That don't always make for great people skills. (laughs) And I lack an awareness that I didn't realize I lacked until like about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, And so I was showing up in my friendships. Uh, the best way that I knew how at the time. But I also recognized the pattern in my friendships that my friends would always say things like, you just don't get it. Or uh, they would say a lot of things about my tone in conversation. I wasn't a very good listener. I was always listening to respond, not just (laughs) listening to listen. I, yeah, I was just kind of coined like that, that, that word that women don't like to be called like that, that was me. Just very aggressive, but I would say it was my passion kind of misunderstood and all these things. So I, I just kept finding myself in this circle, this revolving door of friendships that were great at the beginning, really, really high at the beginning, but then uh, at some point I would then move on to the next thing in my mind and then I would start to neglect What The the relationship dynamics and what was needed in those relationships. Um, And I would do that without any warning. And so that left a lot of people feeling neglected, feeling abandoned. Um, And again, at the time, I didn't know that it was an issue. A little bit of backstory on me. I'm a military brat. So every four years of my life, I moved. Like you're in a place, you're there for however long you're there. Sometimes it feels like I tell people it's like prison sometimes in the sense that, Hey, how much longer you got? Like, Oh, we've got six months. You know, it's like, Oh, I got four years, you know? Like, so you're meeting people in, in transition all the time. And for me, it became a part of life that it's okay to go into this new space, develop a routine and all that kind of stuff. And at some point people, they come and they go. Does that make sense? And so because of that, I think that same mentality kind of rolled over into a lot of other things. So I don't have a strong attachment or loyalty to locations or places or teams. Like I, I we live here in Indiana now and, and people are loyal, right? right to the cults. They are loyal to the Pacers. I don't know that type of loyalty because we move so much. You get what I mean? And yep. so um, in my friendships, I had that same kind of rolling mentality, you know, where I would be in a friendship and then once the dynamic changed or or I felt like, okay, this was great. And now it's, you know, like I would just kind of move on. And so that was trash. <laughs> that was it. Was not good. It was not okay. And a lot of people got hurt in the in the in the process. And so, um, at some point, there was a turning point. I went to be a part of a Christian sports camp called Summer's Best Two Weeks uh, City Kids, and I I was there for six weeks. And in that six weeks, my life was completely changed because I had never been a part of a culture or community of people that were so intentional um, about every single thing that they did. And I felt permission to be my most authentic self without being labeled anything in that space. And so um, that's where the turning point happened. And so I was committed in 2007 to take what I what I could comprehend from that six-week experience back to my own personal life. I was like, I want this in my friendships and my relationships. I want to be this intentional. And um, I failed at it for a long time. <laughs> but, but after about a decade of uh. Success, you know, like kind of ups and downs. Um, I figured out that it, there were some key things missing in my efforts. And that's where the acronym comes into place. So H stands for honest. That's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Those are, we need to be able to be honest in our relationships. Believe it or not, a lot of people feel like they can't be. Um, and so honesty is a huge component to successful friendships. Uh, elephant size. So it, it's twofold. It could mean being willing to address the elephant in the room. So talking about the things that everybody knows is present, but no, you know, and sees it's there, but is uncomfortable to talk about or elephant size could be a larger than life issue in your, in your story. So it's being willing to talk about hard things, abuse, trauma, you get what I mean? Like things that are affecting how you're showing up, right? A stands for authentic. Authentic has more uh, to do with, again, showing up as your most authentic self, um, not being pretentious, Right. Real is different than authentic. Sometimes like people will say, oh, just be real. And it, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with addressing real issues in real time. So that's what real stands for. And then T uh, has to do with transparent. And that is being willing to share the things that people will not, would not see unless you re- revealed them. And I think a, 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 a hot topic right now is vulnerability. So I would say that the T is most related to vulnerability. Not the same, but most related to that.
0: I love that so much when I look at, well, first of all, I'm just, I'm so happy to get to hear your story. And um, I think it's really refreshing to hear, like, I I care about friendships because I wasn't a good friend for mm-hmm. a long time. And, and really that's so much of my story too. I, my life has been, I, I have been hurt deeply, 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 deeply by really unhealthy friends. I have also deeply, deeply, deeply hurt other people. By being an unhealthy friend, my life has been totally changed by having great friendships in my life. And I feel like that's the thing that I can like pass forward being able to see like I, I say this all the time. I think that we as women can be the worst thing to happen to each other. We can be like it is unbelievable how cruel we can be to each other. Or we can be the very best thing that happens to each other. And I, and I think we get to choose. And, and so I just, I love that you're talking about this. I'm so grateful that you're having this conversation. And, you know, when we were just before we started recording, you were telling me some stats about what friendship looks like in our generation. And I just would like why, you know, it, I love getting to hear like how this connects to your own personal life, but I know that your mission extends so so far, because this is something that so many of us are dealing with. Talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, um, according to the Barna group right now, like re- research is actually showing us that millennials are polling lonelier than the elderly. And when we think about, you know, the elderly, we think, Oh, they're getting up in age. Their friends are kind of dying off. And so they're finding themselves alone. Right. You know, not, not as engaged in the, in the masses as much. Here we are as millennials, we have access to almost any and everything, but yet we're polling lonelier than the elderly. I think part of that has to do um, has to do with the fact that we are finding our comfort and solitude in our devices. I think that's kind of one of the biggest things. Um, I think that our devices have, have handicapped us a little bit in our ability to look one another in the eye and have, you know, these conversations with one another, especially the ones that become a little uncomfortable or awkward. Um, things get awkward and we immediately are like, oh, OK, I'm going to I'm just going to go to my phone. Right. <laughs> I don't really want to have this this conversation. Also, I think that, you know, as the digital age has continued to grow and increase, um, it's become a lot easier for us to think that we're connected to people when we actually aren't. And so we can have a hundred friends, a thousand friends, you know, 10,000 friends or followers right on Facebook or Instagram. And that can make us think that we're actually experiencing connection that is not actually happening. It's almost like a placebo effect. It feels like. And so because of that, I think that, um, when it comes to the real life relationships that we have, when things aren't going the way that, that we want them to go, we don't, we find ourselves in this place. It's like I don't really know how, what to do with this because I can't just unfriend you. Which we actually we will do. <laughs> we just start cutting people off or stop talking to people. We'll just with, like withdraw. But it's like I can't unfriend you. This emoji doesn't really communicate what I'm feeling in my heart, right? <laughs> you know, and I don't have the words to really communicate to you um, that I don't like what you said, and I would prefer that you not speak to me that way. Like, and even saying that feels wrong, and you know, like so. So I said all that to say I think again, I love the fact that, you know, we're such an innovative culture that technology is just, you know, booming at this point. But at the same time, I think that it's, it's again, limiting our ability or our even necessity, you know, to, of connecting with one another. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why I've, I've created this space because I think it's absolutely necessary. I would hate, you know, that in a hundred years, people weren't, talking or engaging with one another in this especially on a level of friendship because yes it's nice to be able to like order your groceries and not have to talk to anybody in the grocery store you can just get them dropped off and but i think when we start doing that with people like we're only engaging when we need things or we're only engaging when it's convenient like that will that will ruin us as a society i think in the long term mm.
0: I feel like i could just sit and just process that for so long um so i you know i i want to pick your brain today about just what you've learned and, and hopefully have us all walk away with tools to help us like engage in our friendships better. Um, but I think that one of the important things to just sort of establish like off the bat is, um, and I know I've heard you talk about this before, is that in order to meet new friends and to build the kinds of connections that we really truly want and need in our lives, we need to first have like a definition of friendship. And even more than that, know really what friendship means to us? Like talk to us about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I have this thing called the, the friendship challenge. It's a 14 day challenge that, um, allows (laughs) if you're interested in making friends, uh, maintain mending friendships or maintaining friendships, uh, then you want to do, and you don't know how to do that. You would want to do the friendship challenge. And on day one, the literal, the first mission is for you to define friendship. And it's been very funny to me to see every single month as women go through this challenge, how many people don't have their own definition of friendship. And it like shocks them a little bit because they're like, oh, my God, like I'm a full grown adult with children and have never thought about what my definition of <laughs> friendship is. And um and it and it just I think really exposes that we just kind of go through the motions and figure it out as we go a lot of times. But what I would recommend um, for people who are thinking about making friends in like a new city or you are just transitioned or you're in a space where you recognize like, hey, I don't have the connections that I want with people. I would say, well, let's start with just defining what it is that you do want. Or at least what you're maybe what you don't. I think if you're like me, you probably can identify more easily what you don't want than what you do. And so if you're thinking this is these are the the unhealthy relationships that I've had or, or bad experiences that I've had and I don't want that again, I would say at least make that list. And then look at that list and counter that list with things that you do want. So if you haven't felt the freedom to be honest in your in your friendships in the past because people were so easily offended or made you feel bad about having an opinion about anything, you know, then maybe you would say, okay, I don't want that. And what I do want is the freedom to be honest, you know, in friendship. I want the freedom to be myself. (laughs) You know, I want relationships that aren't codependent. You know, um, I want there to be boundaries in my friendship because I've had relationships where there were no sense of boundaries and it just became this really unhealthy enmeshment, like, (laughs) you know, like situation, you know? And so, Uh, I think if you can establish a definition, then you're giving yourself a foundation to build upon when there's no foundation. If you don't know what you want and settle for anything and we don't we don't want to just settle for what comes. We want to know what we want. And be intentional in the same way that way that we would if we were dating or looking for a spouse. You know, we don't just take anything that well. we should not just take anything that comes. We should know like, hey, I want a person who has these convictions, who values these things, who, you know, models these characteristics. And so that's why I think it's important to have a definition.
0: I love that. I, you know, we, that's something that we've talked about a lot in my community and like specifically in my course, Love Your Single Life, we make a must-have list of things we're looking for in another person. And, you know, we whittle it down. So it's not like he must be six-two and have blue eyes and like blah, 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 because those <laughs> things really, when we get that specific, we're, we're making it so that we miss out on really, on, on people who are probably better for us than the guy that we're imagining in our heads. But I think that when we don't think of what we're looking for, it's like going into the grocery store without a list, hungry. So you're going in and you're looking around and you're grabbing just kind of whatever, and you've spent too much money and you've bought like Twinkies and it's not going to satisfy (laughs) you or help you or be good for you. And so I just, I love this because I think that having a must-have list or just what we're having a good idea of what we're looking for helps us know when what we found isn't what we're looking for, helps us have the language for why we need to, move on and keep looking for something different. And just as you were talking, I was thinking, we know that unhealthy relationships, like romantic relationships can be just detrimental to our lives. But I think all of us can say also, Unhealthy friendships can be totally detrimental to our lives. Like, we just, it is impossible to show up in the world in the way that God created us to when we're surrounded by people who don't oh. love us and support us and make space for us. And I know one thing that I had to decide, I was 25 years old when I decided this. And my gosh, I wish that I had decided this when I was five years old, not 25, <laughs> was that I'm not going to be friends with people who are mean to me. And I'm not mm. going to be friends with people who are going to talk about me in a negative way when I'm not there. And I just, like, I I just, I have a friendship must-have list. And I'm totally uncompromising on it now because I Mm -hmm. spent so many years trying to make friendships work with people who didn't treat me the way that I deserve to be treated. And I think a lot of us do that.
1: Yes. And I don't know what that, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. It could be the misconceptions that we, we have, the false beliefs that we have. You know, all of us have these experiences in life that we create stories around and sometimes those stories are rooted in misconceptions they're rooted in except in in exceptions you know um and so yeah if if a person's experience has only consisted of being in relationship with people who like they they might think like oh this is just a part of it right like abuse or um, being spoken to poorly or, you know, being told like, it's okay to treat you one way or it's it's okay to be treated this way in front of people, but behind closed doors, I treat you differently or whatever. All of that, I think our our, our different stories inform our perceptions and what we believe that we deserve and, and the things that we've seen modeled before us. And so I love it that you came to that place. And, and my hope is that more people would come to that place and come to that place sooner <laughs> rather than later.
0: Yeah. Um, you started talking about this already. I, You, um, something that you've talked about a lot is our mindset when it comes to friendships. And I feel like this leads into this perfectly. I wanted to make sure to ask you about this. Like what is, I mean, the word mindset has so many different sort of definitions or things that it, it um, I don't know. It has so many different uses today. Um, how does our mindset affect our relationships both in good ways and in like not so good ways? And how do we use our mindset
1: like in a way that's actually going to help us in our friendships? Sure. I think kind of maybe piggybacking off of what I was talking about before, um, kind of knowing that our, Being aware of what our mindset is, again, of our false beliefs, of the misconceptions that we have about friendship. One of the ones that I uh, carried for a very long time that informed all of my decisions, because I believe that our our perceptions, um, they they um, inform our actions, you know, and they inform our belief systems and they inform how we make our decisions ultimately. And so um, if we perceive that something is hot, we won't touch it. Right. Because we maybe have an experience that has said touching hot things is painful. Right. And so I think it's the same thing, um, in our relationships, but one of the, when I talk about mindset, I encourage people to have this thing called the growth mindset. The growth mindset is a perspective that is full of grace, (laughs) you know, is full of truth, but is also very progressive. And so the emphasis in the growth mindset is that where you are today, you don't always have to be right. And that it's, a journey to get from point A to, to point B, if that makes any sense. Um, and when people have a growth mindset, they're far more gracious to themselves and one another. And it helps them to what I think the scriptures talk about bear with one another, right, in our, in our journeys. And so I would encourage people when it comes to friendship to, you're making that definition, you're identifying kind of the misconceptions that you've carried, and you're, you're trying to have this this fresh perspective going in, but then also have this mindset that this is going to be a growth process. It's not a one and done. It's not a, I applied these five things. So now I'm going to have this thing over here. It's not, it's not that simple. Like it's a constant process of trial and error, figuring out what works, what doesn't, but having these principles in place that, uh, that give you space to debrief, did this work? Did it not work? Did I like this? What do I enjoy about this? What don't I enjoy? And, and it's just a labor, a constant labor, but it's a labor of growth. And and I think if we have that mentality about our friendships, I think we'll, we'll be more likely and willing to kind of stick them out. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know why we believe this. I think, I don't think we believe it. Well, let me just say this. I think sometimes people, uh, that whole organic thing, like we should just kind of vibe or mesh or, you know, it should just kind of happen organically. I think people believe that about romance and about love and, and things, right? Then you get into marriage and that's why people are like, what the heck happened? Because then they get into marriage and they're like, wait, why isn't marriage organic? And why aren't we just vibing? <laughs> like, why does, it, why does it take so much work? And I'm like, man, if, if people could just have this mentality that relationships take work, relationships are a process and they require a lot of grace and truth, then I think they will find themselves going further, faster, you know, in in that process. So that's what I have to say about mindset. Embrace the growth mindset.
0: I love that. um, I've said this a couple times. I can't remember if I've said this on the show before, but I think that we think when it comes to community that we it's like a house. We build it one time and we build it early in our life and then we just live in it forever. So it's like, you know, we get really frustrated and confused when we don't end up with our best friends in elementary school or middle school or high school or college or, you know, just after college or when we're newly married, whenever we think we're supposed to have it. Like, why don't we have our forever community or we build what we think is our forever community and then someone moves and it's really confusing. <laughs> yeah. Um But I think that really that friendships are much more like a garden and you know, you plant, this is like funny because I've, I'm known for having just a total black them. Like I'm not a good gardener, but yes. I've been redeeming myself. I actually have a bunch of houseplants that are surviving and thriving, there we go. but I know I'm like really proud. Um, but I think that, you know, you plant a bunch of seeds. Some of them are not going to grow for whatever reason. Maybe it's the soil. Maybe it's they're in too much sunlight or not enough sunlight. There's just, or maybe it's kind of a like messed up seed there's some sort of reason that not every seed is going to grow but some of them do and and but they take water and sunlight and and nutrients and like they take caring they take tending and I, they're just, they seasons for them. They, they don't grow overnight. Like you don't put something in the ground and then expect it to be a full tree like the next day. Um, mm-hmm. it's just a process. And sometimes things don't grow the way that you're wanting them to. Sometimes they grow bigger than you're thinking they're going to, but the whole time it takes effort and care. And I think that we, we, I'm so glad that you said that because I think that we really forget and we get so frustrated when it didn't just like happen and it didn't just happen overnight. Um, yes. there's so much frustration there. And I think that that can really hold us back.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Use as directed. Clariton, thank you so much for sponsoring our Girls' Night, we love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, slash friendship.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech.
0: So one of the things that I think can be really hard about friendship is you know you've talked about the the things that we believe to be true about ourselves and I really do think that's a lot of what holds us back you know we putting ourselves out there in any sort of way but particularly in friendship is so vulnerable and I think that we all have kind of just this idea in our head of of what the worst case scenario could be or what could happen how we could be rejected and why we would be rejected how do we like get through those fears and actually, yeah. How do we, how do we keep those fears from holding us back? How do we, how do we change our mindset? How do we change our beliefs about ourselves so that we can actually do the putting ourselves out there and attending the a friendship so that we can have the kinds of friendships we really want?
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And it's loaded. <laughs> it's a loaded just a question. Small thing. Yeah. Sure. Just like one tip. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's a loaded question. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of women listening that, um, You know, like, yes, please, you know, help, help me to get over my, you know, fear of rejection, help me to get over, you know, my anxiety when it comes to meeting new people. And I wish, I wish I had it just in a really cute acronym for you. And, you know, (laughs) they was like a three-step program, like it, but it's not, it's a process. I think similar to our journey is being in being Christians. It's not. (laughs) It's just not as simple. It's kind of like, hey, I, I got saved and I love Jesus. Now my spirit lives inside of me and I'm a new creature in Christ. And so now everything's good. Like it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> it's like, all right. So we've got some some things happening here, right? We've got our spirit that's been made alive, right? We've got our, our soul uh, that we're, you know, in our minds that we're renewing on a daily basis, you know, but then we've got this body that won't be new until after we die, right? <laughs> so then we see, you know, like, this war between like the flesh and the spirit. We're like, okay, what does it look like to live in this body that nothing happened to it when I became a Christian, but everything on the inside of me like changed and how do these two things coexist? And I think it's similar to our journeys and our experiences. If you, if you sat, I'll use an analogy. If you've sat in a chair, In your past that has collapsed for whatever reason the leg was faulty it was an old chair whatever you every time you go to sit in a chair (laughs) something is going to trigger (laughs) you know like let me just you kind of maybe do the little chair shake before you sit in it like i don't you put your hand down you brace yourself before you sit down because you have had an experience that, you know, has really like traumatized you almost, or has really shaped the way that you feel about chairs. And so now you're looking at every chair, like you could be faulty, you know, and you could just decide, you know what, I'm good. I'm not ever going to sit on a chair. I'll take benches, I'll take couches, I'll take stools, Like, but I'm not ever sitting on a chair ever again, based on that one experience. We do it all the time in our life. And I think one of the things that we can do is we can just choose to trust. And I think choosing to trust is just choosing to choosing to sit in another chair, not assuming that every chair is going to be like the one that, that collapsed up under you the one time, giving each chair a new opportunity, you know, to prove itself as sturdy, right? And in the event that you do sit in a new chair and it does crumble as well, again, not conclude that all chairs that have ever been created are horrible and they're not, you know, like reliable, but that, yes, there are going to be some faulty chairs, you know, and it it takes you just choosing to trust again and again over and over in believing something that you know is true and not believing the misconception that all chairs are going to crumble when I sit in them because that is not, that is not true. And I think that it's the same with people. Um, We've all had relationships that have gone bad and have, have crumbled, you know, I think up under us. However, we could make every other person on the planet pay for what that last person did, or we can choose to trust. You get what I mean? Like we can we can choose to do that. And I think, honestly, um, the Lord is gracious when he gives us when he gives us success in our friendships. And I think we can use that as a fuel to, to light a new fire. You know, what I'm saying that continues to to grow you know in a in a place of like hopefulness i think about this the verse that talks about how like the joy set before for the joy set before him he endured the cross so we think about like jesus knew like this is going to be a good thing if i can just endure this hard thing right now so i think that leads me to like the second point the second point is that sometimes hardship is producing something in us that we need and then sometimes hardship Um, is worth enduring. If you know, on the other side of the difficulty, there will be something worth having. And I think that in friendship, when, when, when there's frustration, conflict, disappointment, um, trust has been broken, whatever it may be, there's disappointment. If we don't choose to work through it, then what we'll do is we'll just kind of put it under a rug. We'll hi- we'll, we won't we will deal with it. We'll try to muffle it. We'll, we'll end the relationship, move on to the next relationship, bringing all of that baggage into the new relationship and allowing that to inform the new relationship. So I would say it's worth sometimes working through and pressing through relationships and friendships that have had those experiences for the joy that's on the other side of that. And that joy might be reconciliation. It could be understanding, maturity, growth. It could be learned lessons, you know, you shared that earlier, you've learned some lessons that you're like, Hey, these lessons have informed my new foundation that I'm building in every other friendship. Yeah, um, sure. that those, those didn't keep you from having new friendships, but they informed how you go about your friendships. Yeah. And that to me is, is, is worth it. You know? So I hope that, that a lot of those, <laughs> I hope the chair thing sticks into your brain <laughs> forever. He's uh,
0: like, I mean, That is the best analogy. It really is. I love that. I'm so glad you shared that. And you know, something that my husband, Carl, and I talk about this a lot that, you know, a lot of, we worry so often about worst case scenarios. We have this idea in our minds of what's going to happen and it keeps us from moving forward in so many different areas of our lives. But the thing that we've talked about over and over again is that usually the worst case scenario that we're imagining doesn't happen. And if, On occasion, it does, which it really, rarely, rarely does. You have so many more tools with you in that moment that you don't have when you're imagining it in the future. Well, first of all, the only place that we can actually experience the presence of God is in the present. And Mm -hmm. so when you are in that moment, if worst case scenario happens, God is with you in that moment. You have Him. You have Mm -hmm. your community. You have your family, your friends. You have more... Strength and grit in yourself than you can imagine from, you know, the middle of the night when you're laying there worrying about this. Yes. Um, and so I was just thinking, like, if the chair falls apart under you again, like it sounds, you know, from, from that place in the middle of the night worrying about it, it sounds awful. But really the worst thing that happens is that you fall on the floor. And that's the, the worst thing that happens in a friendship is that you're rejected. The worst thing that happens is that. They don't call you back or that they don't invite you or that they are mean to you. Like, and those are, those things really suck, which I want to talk about that in a second, but they also like, you're you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay in it. Um, and so I think that sometimes, you know, I'm totally worst case scenario person and sometimes thinking through, so then what? So then what? So then what? And like walking all the way end to the end of the worst case scenario, I find out that the really, the worst thing that happens is that I fell on the floor. Mm -hmm. But that being said, Something we've talked about on the show a lot, and I really do want to share this, just because if if someone listening is feeling this way, I want you to know that you're not alone. We've talked about counseling a lot on the show. I'm like the yeah. biggest fan of counseling. Yes. Um, Thanks. Thanks. We've done like whole episodes on it, and but one of the things, it's interesting, you know, out of all the things that I spent time talking about in counseling over the last, you know, two years, the thing that's that I like, the thing that brought me to tears so fast that it, I mean, it just shocked me how quickly I went from okay to totally crying was talking about bad friendships in my past. Um. And it was amazing. Like, I mean, truly talking about anything else. I mean, I would cry or I would, you know, feel different things, but I found myself sitting there all of a sudden just sobbing, talking about rejection friendships in the past. That I, I mean, I didn't realize that they had affected me so deeply. And so I think that's just another thing that, I think is important to say is you're right. We do bring whatever brokenness or whatever bad experiences from our past into our present if we don't deal with them. And so like really taking the time to sort through what happened back there and what did this mean to me and how do I want this to inform my future relationships? Like how do I want to make decisions using this information in the future also what needs to heal in my heart. And for me personally, like just sort of falling on the sword here, like I needed to talk about it in counseling because I could feel my past friendships impact, like negatively impacting my current friendships. And I didn't want that to be the case. And so if, if you, if anyone is thinking, man, I have some really major friendship hurts from the past, but thinking about like going to counseling about them
1: seems silly. I don't think it's silly. Do it. No, not at all. If you think about it, one of the the first relationship dynamics that we engage outside of our parental and our family unit is friendship. Like I have a two year old daughter and she knows us and then she knows her friends, <laughs> you know, like she knows her family and then she knows her friends. And it's like those are relationships. Though, that's a relationship dynamic that just kind of happens. Right. Up until adulthood. When we then become very selective and, you know, we don't make friendships as easy and we almost stop seeing our need for them because we think, oh, we're dating now or, oh, I'm married now. I don't need, you know, that community built out. And um, I I think that that's just not not true. I, I believe very strongly that our friendships lay the foundation for every other relationship that we have. I do. And, and and I have a soapbox sometimes that I get on about how if you're a trash friend, you're going to be a trash boyfriend or girlfriend. You're going to be a trash spouse. You're going to be a trash coworker. You're going to, you're like, there's no, there's no way, <laughs> there's just no way that you can be, show up horribly in your friendship and then not have those same things be present in your most intimate relationships. And so I, yeah, I just, I feel like people should start at friendship. And I think that's where we can really do the work and start practicing and and where there's a little more um, space to take risks and to to learn and, and not be so detrimental. You try to learn all of that in the context of marriage and you find yourself divorced, you know, like, and that's a far harder break and a far, and that's, it's a bigger tear that happens than a friendship that didn't work out, if that makes any sense. And I'm not saying that your friends are expendable. They are not. However, I think that friendship is just such a an overlooked relationship dynamic that I think has the ability to really impact every other relationship that we have.
0: Seriously, I'm like amending over here. I'm like fist bumping <laughs> over here. I mean, truly, I could not agree with that more. I, a couple of years ago, I had to give the, the most uh, nerve wracking speech of my life. And it was my maid of honor speech at my best friend, Michelle's wedding. And mm-hmm. we've been best friends since we were eight years old. And we've always said that everything that we know about marriage, we learned from our relationship with each other. And I'm so glad that we talked about that because that was the cornerstone of my speech. Otherwise, I would have just been totally lost as to what to say. How do I say this all in three minutes? How much I love you. But it really is true. We got to practice like you know, getting in a fight and working through it. And we got to practice being together and staying together in, through all kinds of ups and downs and different seasons of life. And I mean, middle school versus college versus post-grad life is so different. And we got to really practice just sticking it out and being there for each other through it all and, and dealing with like mundane everyday stuff or giant life things falling apart. I mean, I just really, I'm so glad you said that. It really is the best practice. And it helps like having our friendships I don't think I would have survived singleness and dating and our first couple of years of marriage without my girlfriends being in my corner, cheering me on. And I mean, I feel like motherhood watching my girlfriends be like, have you figured out how to get them to sleep? And the other one being like, try this, <laughs> you know, it's just all of life is easier. All of our other relationships are easier when we have great friendships. And so I'm, I'm so glad you said that. So if there are women, I know there are women listening that are like, I want this. I want this, but for a million reasons, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have people that are my people. What are just like a couple of things that they can do starting today to just get them moving in that direction? Anything, anything practical, give us some, give us some, just anything.
1: (laughs) Oh man. Um, okay. Let me think. First thing, figure out what you want. So definition of friendship. I think we've, we've talked about that. So that would be the first thing. And that's something you can do by yourself. So no pressure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let just start there. I think second thing you can do, there's a term that I don't know how um, popular it is still, but it, <laughs> it, it was going around and it's, it pretty much says, shoot your shot. So there's this, this, this idea that you've got to just, you've got to take the risk. You've got to shoot, just shoot your shot. Just go for it. Right. I think people overthink where the connections should come from. Um, and practically, I could say, OK, if you're religious, maybe you might find common ground with someone at church. If you, you know, and this is what t- people typically do. They usually look for connections at church. Their coworkers, which is really hit or miss, depending on where you work, <laughs> um, uh, their coworkers workers they uh, they go out. Right. They try to meet people in, um, you know, social spaces um, or they, you know, I think now like meetups are popular. And then you've got all these, you know, common, you know, things that we like, we share in common. But at the end of the day, you've just kind of got to shoot your shot. And I know that there's that awkward, like, how do you go from, from just shooting your shot, meeting someone, you guys get coffee a couple times to then really like being like, okay, I trust you. I think the way that you make that happen goes back to the acronym. And that is you're having heart conversations. If you get coffee with uh, someone that you're like, hey, you know what? I would love to build. I would love to just hang out. Do you want to get coffee? Sure. Yes. So you shot, you, you shoot your shot, you guys meet up. If your conversation is surface every time you connect, then the relationship will remain surface. The question for a lot of millennials that I've talked to and and people in general who are trying to figure out what does it look like to take your relationships to the next level or what does it look like to go deep is I'm like, you've got to take the conversations deeper than surface. If you're only talking about what you have in common, what you like, did you see that game? Oh, do you do you watch the show? That kind of thing. That's one thing. But the moment that you decide to be transparent and you show up to the coffee date and they ask, Oh, Hey, how's your day going? And your day wasn't good. And you say, um, actually today sucked and I didn't really want to (laughs) come. Like I thought about canceling, not because of you, but because I just feel like crap because my job is completely overwhelming right now. That has completely taken the conversation from, Oh, my day was fine to (laughs) now. Oh, like, She has expressed, she's been, she's expressed herself and been vulnerable in some way. And she's showing up as her most authentic self. Now what the person does on the other side of that, you cannot control. You're not responsible for it. You can't control it. So don't put the pressure on yourself to, you know, make the person have to respond a certain way. But if that person is also showing up as their most authentic self and they're full of grace, then whatever agenda they had might go out the window and they say, oh, let's talk about it. Like what's going on at work? Like, I I don't have any advice, but I can listen, you know, like I would love to just be a sounding board right now or whatever. And all of a sudden this person who you just catch up with every once in a while and talk about your favorite show together is now has, has now been let in on to some degree as a confidant. Now that doesn't mean that they're in your inner circle. I talk about, I have a video where um, I talk about the four layers of friendship and, um, I refer to them as rings. You've got your inner circle people. Those are like maybe two or three people who like know you in and out. Like they are there. Like two o'clock in the morning, you're falling apart. You're calling them, you know. Um, But then outside of that circle are people that you have very authentic and transparent and vulnerable conversations with. But maybe... Uh, Maybe they don't know every deep, dark secret, but you still have. And maybe that's like a women's group or some or people that you've confided in to some degree. Then outside of that, you've got people who it's uh, you guys share like interests. You both maybe you share the same faith. Um, you get to you hang out. You're intentional about building in an effort maybe to grow to so one of those other layers. And then the, the most outer layer are people that don't necessarily share your same faith. And maybe you guys don't have a whole lot of things in common, but maybe there's mutual friends or you find yourself running into them. You know, and you just have these conversations. So you you might <laughs> or maybe those are just your coffee dates. But those coffee dates move to the end to another layer of friendship when you give them the you know permission and access to. But if you don't ever give anybody access to you beyond the surface, then those relationships will stay surface. So I don't know if that really answers your, your question or if that's enough practical example, but um, hopefully you define friendship. After that, you shoot your shot. And then once you shoot your shot and you've got someone that you're being intentional with, find opportunities to go beyond the surface.
0: I love that. Like, yes, and amen to every single thing about that. I, I, I'm glad that, um, you know, something that we, we, we talked about this a little bit before. And I mean, it's kind of back to the gardening example. I know that it can be really frustrating when you. Um, so when, when Carl and I first moved to Nashville, we moved here without knowing anybody. And I had, I found myself having best friends, but they were 2000 miles away. And all of a sudden I'm in a new city with a new husband and a new job, and I don't know anybody and I have to figure out how so, to make new all friends.
1: They don't do. <laughs> all the things you say, don't do, so, <laughs> don't get married don't move. Don't start a new job. All of this.
0: Seriously, seriously. And I mean, listen, like three weeks before all of this happened, Carl and I are like, yeah, let's just do one big change at a time. Let's keep everything else the same. It's just, sometimes you don't get to choose. But so, (laughs) So we're in this new city and we're trying to figure it out. And I think it really is, first of all, it's really hard to admit that you're lonely, but I'm so glad that we're talking about this because The fact that you're lonely just means you're normal. Like so many of us are lonely for so many different reasons. And sometimes it's because you did move somewhere new or sometimes it's because your friends moved somewhere new or maybe they all got married or started having babies, which sometimes can feel like the same thing. Yep. Yep. Sometimes, you know, you look around and you're like, you know what? I have friends, but they're not... I don't know if I have good friends. Um we yep. all have found ourselves in situations like this. And and so when one it's really hard to admit that you're feeling lonely, but then when you do and you start reaching out to people and you shoot your shot, you find yourself at coffee and you're like this is awkward. Like this feels like a first date. And but the thing the thing that I've gotten to see over, you know, 5 years of being in Nashville and 5 years of really Practicing meeting people and investing in them and going to coffee again and again is that every, if you are having heart conversations, and that's the, that's the, um, like turning point here. If you're having heart conversations, then every time you spend time with this person, you will feel more comfortable with them. That's not the case though, if you're not having deep conversations. And so I, I love that, I love that acronym. Like we have to be, we have to be talking about the real things going on in our lives, and that's—it's yes. as simple as that. Like, how are you? Actually, answer the question. Like, answer the question. <laughs> answer yes. the question tell the
1: truth. That's—it's so that simple. You don't have be to honest. just be honest. Yes. It's the first thing. Like, let's just work on being honest. And yes. I think people think that being honest means like revealing some deep dark thing. I'm like, yes, that can be, but literally, when someone just says, "Hey, how are you?" Just don't, try not to default to fine, you know, like, oh, I'm fine or good or, you know, like try try to make yourself say more than one word, <laughs> you know, to describe how you're doing. Even if you are good, because I think it gets you into the practice of really thinking for a second. Like, how am I? Like use it. Di- just use a different word. Use a different adjective to describe, yeah. you know, like how you're doing. Like, oh, I'm fantastic today. I really or I'm on a cloud today or actually today's been pretty routine, you know, like, or whatever. And, and that's not a bad thing, but it, it's, it gets us out of this. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm whatever people say, you know, just kind of by default. So yeah.
0: And yeah. It, it gets us the practice of sharing a little bit about our lives. And that's the first, like, you know, someone has to jump into the deep end of vulnerability and even like the media bent, you know, like not even, we're not even like talking high dive here. We're just saying like sliding down, you know, towards the deep end, someone has to go first and you don't, you're, I love that you said that you don't have to say like, can I tell you my like deepest, darkest shame? You can just say, you know, I had a conversation with my boss. Like I'm feeling a little weird. I had a conversation with my boss today that didn't go super well. And then the person has something to ask you about. And then mm-hmm. they feel like they can say, oh, actually, you know, that happened to me too. And all of a sudden you're connecting and.
1: Yes. And so there's okay. investments that's been made, but honestly, the misconception that we believe is that people don't really want to know, you know? And that's why I think sometimes we've defaulted. Like when people ask like I don't think they really want to know, or maybe we've had an an experience where someone did ask how we were doing. We did really share how we were feeling and they were like, Oh, okay. And then they glossed over it or they weren't really listening or they didn't take the time to be, you know, like to, to care, you know, for our response in the way that we, we, we wanted them to. Um, And so, yeah, it's, again, it's, I wish it was a quick fix. It isn't, but there are things you can do. You don't have to feel hopeless or like, man, I can't do this. This is just, this is too much. You can you can just start with being honest. You can just start with answering the question, oh. <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's so
0: good. All right. Well, KB, I want to just have you, you know, for anyone listening, that's feeling discouraged in their friendships right now, I would love it if we could just leave them with, just like a little last piece of encouragement or like a pep talk or something just to kind of round it out.
1: Okay. Um, I will say if you're listening to this and you're discouraged, I want so to say, flat footed it with every bit of conviction that that is in me, you can have great friendships. You can, I believe it's God's will for our lives and um, for us to be connected, to be in community, not just with him, but with one another. I think that you can, find freedom in your friendships. Um, I think you can thrive in your friendships. I really, really believe that. And how that happens is really one step at a time, one conversation at a time. And if you're thinking like, I'm super introverted, I'm awkward. I don't like talking to new people. I don't want to put myself out there. I would say, okay, well then maybe your starting point will be different than the next person, but there's still a place you know, for you to go and to grow. And maybe for you, it's, okay, no new people, let's just assess the relationships I already have, you know, like, let's just think about the people I'm already interacting with. I think sometimes when I talk about building new friends, people think that I'm gonna ask them to go into a grocery store and stop a stranger and ask them out, like, it's like this big like challenge, like, you could do that. I would do that probably, because I'm extremely extroverted, but, but you don't have to do that. You can really sit back and assess, well, what relationships do I have right now? Or what people have I admired from a distance, you know? what people have, I thought, man, it would be really great to get to know them. And, um, and I would just say like, introduce yourself, shoot your shot, you know, um, in the, in the best way that you can. Um, and just know that again, great community is, is possible. And, and you just, you, you deserve good friends for some of you, maybe that are in relationships that you're, you're realizing, man, these, my friends are trash. Like my relationships don't make me feel good. You know, I do feel like I'm in relationships with people who are just me and I don't want to stay here. You don't have to, and you can take a step forward. And so that would be just kind of a, I guess the one thing that I would say, cause I do honestly think it starts in your belief system. So that that's, that's like my first thought. The second thing I would say though, and, and I guess as a resource um, again, I do have a 14 day friendship challenge that I would encourage all of you um, to take. And I think you're, you're actually taking steps if you're listening to this podcast, because there's been a culture and a community created here, a space for people to gather and to listen. And that is a step like I know I talked about social media earlier almost kind of being a barrier for person-to-person relationships. But social media can actually be um, a launching pad for incredible, you know, relationships and for intentionality. And so if there are private Facebook groups or if there are, you know, uh, podcasts or whatever, I would say find a way to connect with people who already share your same values. That's usually half the battle. People are trying to be intentional with people who don't share the same values that they have. And so if you know that there's a space where people are gathering who share the same values as you get plugged into those spaces and try to be intentional with those people. That's because you're already like, well, hey, I guess if they're here, then they already value these things. (laughs) So we can, you know, assume certain, you know, certain things. And so so yeah, I would say get plugged into a friendship challenge. Use the resources that are on Stephanie's platform and um and go go from there. So yeah. I love that. KB, thank you so much for being here. Very welcome. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. And for all of you who have listened uh, (laughs) thus far. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, And thank you. It's funny that I it's my first time meeting you, but just to know that we are, you know, fighting the same fight in our respective places. It's very encouraging. So continue to do what you're doing. Continue to gather women all over the world, you know, um, to this place of health and in their most significant relationships. So thank you.
0: You guys, isn't KB amazing? Seriously, she's our new best friend, right? I love her. I love her story. And there were so many times when I was just bowled over by her wisdom, by God's truth, his love for us as she talked. Game-changing, right? I I can't wait to listen to this episode again. Now, don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those over in our show notes just head over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog and you'll find links for everything, including links for KB so you can follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. And side note here, if you're listening to an episode that's not the latest episode, when you go to stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog, there's a little search tab on the right-hand side and you can go ahead and type in the episode you're looking for and it'll just pull it right up. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have some more great episodes coming your way this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. All right, friends, that's it. Thank you so much for joining me for Girls Night, and I will see you next week.